Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we conclude our series entitled Path of the Spirit. In this series, we have discussed the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit. And now to finish the series, Pastor Mitch Rose. We are uh, we're in the final week of a series called The Path of the Spirit. And uh, I'm so excited about this series. We're talking about the moving and operation, power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's moving in our lives. And I just love talking about this subject. I love talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited about today's topic. It's going to be tough. I want you to I want you to wrap your whole mind around it. You know, this is sort of a deep water, and I don't want you to feel like, man, I can't get a hold of this. Uh, this is for everybody in the room. I'm going to slow down and try to help us wade through that because there's a lot of misconceptions. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, there's just so many people who have different opinions and different faith traditions and experiences as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you some help today. And, uh, but I want God to talk to our hearts today. I want to leave here with an encounter with God that changes our hearts. Amen? Why don't you do this? Why don't you put both your hands in the air if you can with your Bible? Why don't you close your eyes and pray together that God would talk to our hearts today? Lord Jesus, I open my heart today. I open my spirit to your word. God, I believe that your word can change me today. So I am ready to be changed. God, I want whatever it is that you have for me. My mind is open. I take uh, every thought into captivity today. God, I believe that because of what happens in the next few moments, because of the encounter that I have with your word and your presence, and I'm going to leave better than I came. In Jesus' name. And everyone shout amen. 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 Give somebody a high five. You sit next to right there, and then you can be seated. You know, it's one thing to talk about the Holy Spirit's movement and power in the Bible and sort of read about it in the Bible, but the last couple of weeks we've been saying, what if we could have the Holy Spirit move in our lives just like He did in the Bible? What if we could have an encounter with God that uh, resembled what happened in the book of Acts. How many of you want that kind of encounter with God in your own life? Would you just raise your hands? Man, that's what I want. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that I can sort of look at the Bible and say, man, whatever happens there, however the Holy Spirit moves there, that's what I want Him to do in our life. And I know some of you are probably saying, are we going to become weird now? Like, is this going to become a really weird, <laughs> weird place? And the, the answer is, maybe. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Matter of fact, the ushers are bringing snakes to the front right now. Guys, bring the snakes. Nobody's bringing snakes. I promise you nobody's bringing snakes up here. If anybody ever brings a snake here, it will be my last Sunday to serve at Christian Life Church. That's the truth. So this is our last week in the series about the Holy Spirit. And I thought it would be appropriate to sort of end this series talking about what happens after a believer is filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. For the last couple of weeks, we've been sort of talking about what it means to live and, and, and uh, pursue the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives. And so I wanted to talk today about what would happen after that. So for a, a few minutes, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. I want to talk about warring in the Spirit. I want to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, uh, there's a lot of opinions about this. I don't want you to sort of go into the next half an hour thinking you know where we're headed and thinking that this is going to get strange or odd. I promise you nobody's going to do anything too weird. Nothing's going to get out of hand. But this is a very, very important uh, topic in the life of spirit-filled, spirit-empowered believer. Uh, we as spirit-led believers should be battling the unseen forces 
of evil that are at work in our lives. Say amen to that. As we talk about supernatural things and spiritual things, there are really two opinions that, uh, that, that churches make, two, two very common mistakes. One is that, and maybe you sort of grew up in this kind of faith tradition, that churches will overemphasize supernatural things and demonic things and hyper-spiritual things so that everybody sees a devil behind every tree. If something bad happens to you, the first thing that those kind of people say is, it could be Satan. (laughs) That was my Satan voice. It could be the devil. If you get in a car wreck, the first thing you put on Facebook is, I got in a car wreck, the devil's against me today. You forgot to tell everybody on Facebook that you were texting And you're blaming the devil, and it was you texting mama telling her you're late. Sometimes people flunk a test in school, and you say, man, the devil's really fighting me, and and, boy, Satan made me flunk that you didn't study. That's the problem with you flunking the test, and you want to blame the devil. Sometimes there's an overemphasis, you understand what I'm saying, on demonic things. Listen, we don't need to see a devil behind every tree and every bush. It's not true. Now... The other side of the extreme is that there are churches and people who underemphasize, and this is probably more common in places today than the other, that people and, and churches and believers say, you know, I don't know if there really is a spirit world. If there is one, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. And so here's what we're going to do today. We're not going to talk about sort of what I think about it or what you think about it or how we were raised about it. We're going to open God's Word, and we're going to see what the Bible says about warring in the Spirit. We're going to get a biblical perspective about spirit-empowered living and spiritual warfare. And so we're going to get a sort of a 30,000-foot view of what that means. If you have your Bibles or you have you version, open up your uh, live experience today and follow along with me. If you don't have a Bible or a tablet or smartphone, you can follow along on the screen. Second Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and Corinth is sort of known to be this church of extremes. And so when Paul would write them, he wrote two, two different letters to the church at Corinth, and he had to sort of rein them in a lot of times because they would get out of hand. They were sort of the people that were seeing boogers around every corner, you know what I mean? E- everything was the devil. Everything had, had sort of this hyper-spiritual uh, experience with it. Even when they would come to church, it was just so hyper-spiritual that when unbelievers would come, they didn't understand what was going on. Unbelievers wouldn't come back. It was just a, it was a very, uh, it was a place of extremes, and so Paul would sort of have to rein that in. But at the same time, Paul really wanted to tap into the idea that there really was a spiritual force. And so the Corinthians was a great church for him to sort of teach about spiritual warfare because they were ready and open to receive the things of the Spirit. That wasn't foreign to them. It wasn't unique to them. And so 2 Corinthians 10, Paul's writing here and he says in verse 3, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Say amen to that. Paul was saying this, even though we live in a physical world, there is another world. Shake your head this way. There's another world. And in that world, there is a war that is raging. The kingdom of light is fighting the kingdom of darkness. And when we engage in spiritual battle... Paul said, we don't fight with the weapons that the world fights with. You and I don't fight with nuclear bombs, or George Bush called them nuclear bombs. 
We don't fight with machine guns or army tanks or a twenty-two or nunchucks or slingshot or whatever it is that you want to fight with. Instead, when we fight this spiritual battle, Paul would say that we fight it with spiritual things and the weapons that you and I have are powerful to pull down the forces of darkness in our world. Say amen to that. We fight with prayer and by faith and we use God's word. There is a very real spiritual battle going on. Whether you want to believe it or not, the world is at war. It's a conflict that's wreaking havoc on families and civilians and injuring and killing many people and and, and innocent people and children. And I'm not talking about the war on terror. I'm talking about a war that has consequences that are so far beyond this world. There is a spiritual war, listen close, that is an epic battle between good and evil. And it began when Satan was cast out of heaven. This confrontation escalated in the Garden of Eden where Adam, the first man, received almost a fatal blow. And then throughout all of history, God's people have been engaging in that spiritual battle against our enemy, the devil. Say amen to that. So Jesus came to earth and Jesus faced this battle every day. The devil, the Bible says, tempted him in the wilderness and the battle raged on and then Jesus went to the cross to die and the battle raged on and then he rose victorious on the third day but the enemy, listen, you and I would think at the resurrection the enemy would just surrender. That's probably what I would do if somebody came back from the dead. Whatever you say, that's what I'll do but our enemy did not surrender at the resurrection of Jesus. There is still a spiritual battle that's raging today And your destiny and the destiny of every believer after you is in the hinges of this spiritual battle. Say amen to that. It's clearly, clearly described in the Bible. I don't want you to think I sort of made this up. Paul, again, writing to the church at Ephesus, says this in chapter 6, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against our husband or our wife. Our struggle is not against a bad boss. Our struggles not against people that uh, would come against us. Our struggles not against culture. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Surrounding us today is a spiritual world that you and I cannot see with our natural eyes. And in that world, there is a war that's raging. Angels versus demons, good versus evil, light versus darkness. But amazingly, a lot of believers, maybe some in the room today, act as though that conflict isn't happening. They sort of live their lives not realizing that just beyond the layer that you and I can see, there's a real battle of the ages. And they sort of write it off to fantasy or sci-fi. But let me tell you something. Nobody in this room is immune to the victory that comes in spiritual warfare or the defeat of spiritual warfare. Nobody in this room can deny its consequences. You may deny that it's happening but you can't deny its consequences on your life. And the players fight in an invisible realm, but everybody here faces the effects of spiritual warfare, pain and struggle and defeat and heartache. All of them are part of that spiritual conflict in our lives every single day. Say amen to that. Until you recognize that the struggle that you're in, listen close, is not with man, 
but with spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, you will never begin to live in the victory that God's called you to live in. Until you realize that you're not fighting against people, that there's a spiritual battle that's raging beyond the world that you and I can see, and that spiritual battle is what you and I must engage in. Until you do that, you will not live a victorious Christian life. And some of us struggle and and sort of just limp through Christianity and never really fully understand life and victory and living in victory. The reason that is is because you think your problem is with people. You think your problem's with your car that broke down. Your problem is with the family you were raised in. Your problem is with your granddaddy and your dad's problem. And your problem, you think, is your marriage or your kids or your boss. Listen to me. Our problem is not people. Our problem is a spiritual battle that you and I have to engage in so we can live in victory. Shout amen to that. If you and I want to live that way, If we want to live in victory, we have to come dressed for battle. We have to know that there's a spiritual battle happening. And every day, the Bible says, you're going to have to put on the armor of God every day to experience victory in your life. How do we do that? Ephesians 6 and 10, backing up, Paul would say this, sort of when he he prefaced that, he said, finally, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, "In in the Lord. You can't be strong in your own understanding. You can't be strong just because you've been serving God for a long time. You can't be strong just because you've been a Christian a while because you go to church every week or because you tithe. You have to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And when you do that, then you put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Now listen, you and I are not strong enough to defeat the enemy on our own. Say amen to that. We don't have enough strength. Our spiritual enemy, Satan, hates you. Touch somebody near you and say, he hates you. He hates everything about you. He hates your marriage. He hates your family. He hates your progress. He hates your testimony. He hates your story of grace. He hates your walk with God. He hates your generosity and giving. He hates your boundaries against sin. Everything about you that's spiritual, your enemy, the devil, hates And it's His will to destroy everything that matters to God. He's planning and He's plotting and He's scheming to hurt you. And verse 10 says, if you're going to fight Him, you're going to have to put on some armor. You're going to have to get suited up for war. You're going to have to decide to engage in this spiritual battle whether you want to or not, whether you fully understand it or not. You're going to have to wake up and decide if my family's going to make it, it's because I'm going to fight for them to make it. If my marriage is going to make it, I'm going to fight for them to make it. Verse 12 says, We don't wrestle against people but rulers and authorities and powers of darkness. Listen, your battle's not against the government that failed you. It's not against Republicans or Democrats. It's not against Hollywood. Your kids' problems is not angry video games. It's a spiritual battle. Quit blaming people in flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against MTV or Donald Trump or Rosie O'Donnell. Your battle, I am, your battle is not against people. Your battle is against powers and principalities of darkness. Listen, you and I may live in this world, but we've got to do battle in another world so that you and I can live in victory. Shout amen to that. 
This is a truth that I want you to commit to memory. If you're taking notes today on your worship guide, write this down, put this on your refrigerator, write it in lipstick on the bathroom mirror. If you're a woman, if you're a guy, don't do that. (laughs) Embrace this. Listen, what I see with my eyes is not all there really is. What I see with my eyes is not all that's really going on. What I can see in the natural is not all that there is. We have to learn this important principle that what I see with my physical eyes is not the totality of the story. There's an entirely different world. There's a spiritual world that's just as real and more powerful than what takes place in our physical world. As a matter of fact, now listen close. Listen closely to what I'm going to tell you. The spiritual world and what happens in that world controls what happens in the physical world. What happens in the spiritual world influences and has control over the things that we can see. The things that we cannot see are controlling the things that we can see. So you go to work every day and say, man, I've got the boss from... The fact of the matter is, he may not be from hell, but somebody is... And you're doing battle in spiritual places. When you look at your kids, you can't say, man, what went wrong? Where did things go wrong? What happened? Why are they doing, why are they making the choices? Because they're being controlled in this world by something in another world. Because everything in our world is controlled by something in another world. What you see is not everything there is to be seen. Say amen to that. There are two worlds. There's one that I live in, and then there's a world that's behind the world. It's a spiritual world, and we can't see it with our physical eyes, but it's just as real as the world that you and I are sitting in today. When you look around today, all you see up here is a pulpit and speakers and a preacher and a Bible. But I want you to know, on this platform, there is a spiritual battle that's taking place that you and I cannot see. If we had spiritual eyes, we could see sort of past this world into that world. I want you to start looking at what's going on in your life and say... This isn't all there is. It's not his fault. It's not her fault. I'm not fighting them. I'm going to do battle in another world so I can have victory in this world. Say amen to that. If you want change in the world that you can see, you have to tap into and draw from power in the world that you cannot see. Let me say that again so you'll catch that. If you want to see change in the world that you can see, you and I have to learn how to draw from the power that's available to us in a world that we cannot see. Unless spirit-filled believers like you and I fully understand how to access this spiritual world, we will never see change in the physical world that we see. Let me give you, let me not talk in parable, let me sort of break it down for you. If somebody in your life is sick, terminally ill, it is not God's will for sickness and disease and illness to reign. Say amen to that. And Jesus purchased healing by the stripes that he took at Calvary. Say amen to that. So when I pray for God to heal you in just a couple of moments, I am not speaking to you and your body. I'm going to talk to the demonic force of sickness and I'm going to say, in light of what Jesus did, I'm going to take authority over that world so that healing can happen in this world. Say amen to that. 
There is another world. And nothing will change in this one until you get a hold of war in that one. Touch everybody you can touch right now and say, this is war. This is war. This is war. I want change in my physical life. And in order for there to be change in this life, there has to be power in that life. In order for there to be change here, I've got to tap into power from over there. Say amen to that. I'm fighting for my children and I'm fighting for my marriage and I'm fighting for my health and I'm fighting for my sanity and I'm fighting for peace and I'm fighting for joy in my life and I'm not fighting people. This is a war that is so much bigger than the people in my life. I want to know what's happening in that spiritual world so that I can bring that power into this world and live in victory. Say amen to that. Here's a few principles I want you to learn about spiritual warfare today. Here's some things that are so important when you you finally recognize that I'm not fighting people, I'm not fighting stuff, I'm not fighting against, uh, against people that I can see, but there's a war that's raging that's beyond me. When you do that, there's a couple of things that I want you to understand. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the first one. You are not alone in this battle. You are not alone in this spiritual battle. There's an interesting story in the book of 2 Kings. I love Kings and Chronicles. Same stories, just uh, sort of different uh, takes on, on some of the similar stories. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 tells a story that Israel was at war with the king of Aram and there's this servant who was the servant of the prophet. The prophet was Elisha at the time. There was one prophet in all of Israel and, and so Elisha was that particular prophet at the time and then he had a servant who, uh, who was going into war with him as Israel was fighting against the king of Aram. And so, so the man of God, the prophet, would go out ahead of the army. That's what they do to preachers. They put them out right up front. And so the preacher would go out ahead of the army and, and he would prophesy and he would tell them what God was going to do in the battle. So Second Kings 6, if you're following along, says this, the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, got up and went out early the next morning. And an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. I want you to understand what's happening. The, the prophet's still in bed. The preacher's sleeping in. You know how we do. The preacher's sleeping in. I know you think that. The preacher's sleeping in, and so the, the servant gets up early and sort of takes his binoculars outside his tent, looks around and says, Oh, my Lord. He literally says, O-M-G, O-O-O-M-L, whatever. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asks. He goes to Elisha and says, listen, prophet, I don't know what you got up your sleeve, but you better pull something out because we are surrounded by horses and chariots and an army. And the prophet's first words are, don't be afraid. Can I tell you my first words to you today? Don't be afraid of this spiritual battle. Don't be afraid by me telling you that there are demonic forces or there's dark forces that are fighting you. You don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to go into battle scared of what's going to happen to you. Don't send me emails and call me and say boogers visited you at night and all that sort of stuff. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of that stuff. Here's what Elisha said. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant looked around and said, Elisha, You've lost your mind. And Elisha prayed, God, open this servant's eyes so that he can see. Not natural, 
He, he could see in the natural. In the natural, he saw an army surrounding them. In the natural, he saw, he saw chariots and horses. Elisha did not pray for a blind man to receive his natural sight. Elisha said, God, there's something else going on here. And this prophet, th- this servant is going to be scared to death unless he sees what's really happening here. So open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked around. And the Bible says all the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Listen to me very clearly. You are not alone in your battle. If you could open your eyes, there's another world. And in that world, there are more with us than are with them. In that world, there are people and angelic forces. There are spirits that are doing battle on your behalf. You're not alone fighting this. Shout amen to that. Elisha said, God, I want you to show him what's really going on. My prayer for you today is that when you leave here and you go back to the same problems that you've had, the same marriage, the same job, the same financial struggle, the same addiction, the same stuff that you've been battling, that God would open your spiritual eyes and when you get up tomorrow morning and you think, man, I can't face this, I can't do this, there's so many things against me, that God would literally open your spiritual eyes and when you opened your eyes again, you would say, there are more with us than are with them I don't have to do battle alone when that servant opened his eyes there was a whole another world there were warriors and angels everywhere the Bible said it filled the hills where Elisha was standing there's more than meets the eye and you don't have to do battle alone the second thing I want you to write down and understand about spiritual warfare is that your prayers are far more powerful than you believe that they are. Your prayers are far more powerful than you know that they are. Sometimes when you pray, do you ever feel like nothing's happening at all? Would you just be honest? My hand's up. If I could put both of them up, I would. Come on, raise your hands if that's ever been you. Look around at all the liars with their hands down. There have been times in my life when I've prayed and I've thought... God literally has stopped answering prayers. I've reached my limit. I've I've prayed too many, I guess. I guess I've asked for too much. I want you to know that your prayers are more powerful than you know that they are. There's a story that that, that illustrates this better than anything I've ever seen in in the book of Daniel. Daniel uh, was praying one time and and, and it appeared as though nothing was happening. I I need some help. Uh, Brother Tom, why don't you come right here and I want you to kneel down right there at the altar. I use you every week's what you get for sitting there. <laughs> Kneel down right there and pray, my friend. You can just, I want you to pray for me for the next 30 seconds, 45 seconds, okay? Daniel is praying. The Bible said he would do this three times a day. He would pray, and he was praying and praying and praying for God to answer this prayer. And it looked like nothing was going to happen. I'm praying, and nothing's moving, and nothing's changing. I'm not even sure that God hears my prayer, Daniel would say. Man, I don't think anything's happening. I'm getting tired of praying. And I'm frankly getting tired of people telling me to pray. I'll be honest with you. There, there's sometimes when I don't you may have never been there, but I get so frustrated when when things are, are, are raging in my life, and somebody says, "Well, just just pray about." It. I'm praying for you. You're, you ever want to punch somebody in the throat? Said that. Sure, you have. When all hell's breaking loose, and they're praying for you, praying for me. Don't keep the lights on. <laughs> 
praying for me don't change him. I, I'm, I'm tired of praying. And Daniel was so tired. I don't even know if God's moving. And then one day, the Bible said, an angel came to deliver a message to him. Come here, angel Brad. Come here. An angel comes. You got to come up here, bub. You're an angel. You're flying around. And an angel goes to Daniel and he says, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Listen, second time this happens. Listen to me. Don't be afraid of spiritual things. It's not God's will for you to be scared of boogers and devils and demons. It's not what you see on Netflix, okay? The angel said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. The very first day that you began to pray, the very first prayer that you prayed before God... God heard your request in heaven. And I've come to answer your prayer. The angel said, Daniel, let me tell you something. You don't have to keep begging God for the things that you want Him to do. God heard you the very first time that you prayed. I know that it seems like God's not hearing. I know that you wonder if God is really answering. But the angel said, listen... God heard you the very first time that you prayed, the very first day that you prayed that prayer. And I've come to answer that prayer. Come here, Pastor Reed. Come here, Pastor Randy. He said, I've, I've come to answer that prayer, but let me explain to you what was going on. I love when the angel decides he has to explain himself to Daniel. <laughs> That's the way some Christians are. You know, they, don't, they just won't take God's word for it. The angel's got to tell them what, what went on, right? I believe you, but I'm going to need a good story right now, angel. <laughs> so here's what the angel said. I've come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, there was a prince that was a spirit in Persia. There was a dark prince that was over an entire country of Persia. And I have been fighting that prince, that, that prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. I couldn't get to you. Because of him. So here's what he said. This is a true story. Then Michael, one of the archangels, comes. Come here. And angel Brad tags in Michael the archangel. Michael starts fighting the prince of Persia. And I now can get to you. And Michael is Jackie Chan. I left Michael there to fight the prince of Persia so that I can come explain to you what happens in the future. This is a vision that concerns a time yet to come. Let me be honest with you. Let me tell you very clearly. It may not be that God is delaying your answer. There may be a battle that's raging that you don't know anything about that's going on and the angel's trying to get to where you are. Your prayers are far more powerful than you recognize. Your prayers move angels into position. Angels start fighting when you start praying. The day that you prayed that prayer, Daniel, an angel came to start doing battle. Your prayers are more powerful than you think they are. God answered your prayer for 21 days. There was a battle that went on in the heavenlies. I want you to understand, just because it hasn't happened now, doesn't mean God didn't hear you. It could be that there's a demonic force 
that the angels of God are literally fighting back and you have no idea what's happening. You have no idea what God saved you from. Listen to me. When you show up late somewhere and you think, man, why did God, why couldn't you just give me good traffic on Mopac? God, if you can part the Red Sea, you can part Mopac. Why can't one time God just do a miracle like that and I just float over Mopac and I make it all the way up to North Austin? Why, why is it that, that what you don't know is there could have been a horrific accident right in the middle of that that the angels of the Lord were fighting back on your behalf? Oh, y'all don't believe it that way. Here's what I know. I know this, that in the heavenlies there is a battle that's raging and the angels of the Lord are fighting on your behalf and there could be something worse that God's saving you from. Say amen to that. The angel said, man, I'd love to get here. Listen, I'm tired of hearing you pray about it, Daniel. Be honest with you. I would have loved to get here 21 days ago. But I've been doing battle against the prince of Persia. And I had literally had to get Michael the archangel. The, the, the war, there's only three archangels in heaven. Michael, uh, uh, over all of the warring angels, angels are innumerable. The Bible doesn't even put a number on how many there are in heaven. And Michael is in charge of all of the warring angels. And however powerful the prince of Persia was, Michael had to come tag in angel Brad. Even though angel Brad does crossfit, Michael had to come tag in and fight for him. Listen to me. There is, a, uh, there is a demonic force that is trying to block what God wants to do in your life. But hear me and hear me well. There are more on our side than there are on their side. Greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. Victory belongs to us. And the answer's on the way. Shout amen to that. Shout amen to that. I got to hurry. Satan does five things. You have a spiritual enemy. He does five things in this spiritual battle. Number one, he blinds the minds of unbelievers. If you're here today and you think, man, I don't even know if I believe in God. I'm, I'm certainly not a follower of Jesus. I, I certainly don't, would consider myself a disciple of Jesus. I'm not even sure if God exists. If you're here today and that's you, here's what happens when you hear spiritual truth. Your mind begins to wander around. Why is that? Because the Bible said that Satan, your enemy, blinds the minds of unbelievers. Second Corinthians said the God, the little g, God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's what he does. There are people in your life who are unbelievers and you think, man, why can't they just get it together? Why can't they? Let me tell you why. Because your spiritual enemy is blinding their minds. The second thing he does, quickly... He steals God's words from you. He tries to rob you of God's word. Have you ever, you ever come to church on Sunday and said, Man, that's exactly what I needed. I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be about that. I'm, we're going to go home and have a good marriage. Everything's going to work out. I'm going I'm to apply. what. And then you wake up Monday morning and you literally can't remember what church was about. <laughs> and all of that spiritual zeal that you have is gone. You know why that is? Because the Bible says in Matthew, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, that we have an enemy, the evil one, who comes and snatches away what's sown in his heart. He steals God's word from you. Third thing the devil does, he sets traps to ensnare you. He sets traps to ensnare you. He wants to trap you with a dangerous lifestyle and destructive sin. Listen, this happens every time. If you're trying to leave behind friends that are partying, the next day when you make up your mind to leave that world, somebody shows up at your doorstop with a keg. Every time. 
every time. You're trying to get out of debt, and they got to sell at Marshall's. Every time. You're trying to purify your mind, and the internet, there's just, there's something pops up, and there's a lustful thought. Why is that? Because your enemy is setting a trap for you. Second Timothy says this, And they that will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who's taken them captive to do his will. Satan wants to blind your mind. He wants to steal God's word. He wants to set a trap that ensnares you. He wants to fight to stop you. Number four, he is fighting to stop you. There really is spiritual opposition. Your devil is fighting to stop you. He's fighting to stop you. You, you, you may leave church today and say, man, we're going to have a great marriage. God's going to This is going to work out. Honey, we're, we're going to have a good marriage. We're going to be all about Jesus. We're going we're to put him in the center of our marriage. And tonight, you're going to say something stupid and all hell is going to break loose. And you're going to be in the fight of the decade. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna refer to it as the fight of June 2015. Why is that? Because the enemy is fighting against you. He's fighting against progress in your life. You're going to invite somebody to church that you've been praying for, believing for, and they're going to be getting in the car and something happens and they don't come to church that day. Why is that? Because there's spiritual opposition. He's fighting against you. First Thessalonians said, we come to you. Paul is writing and he says, I wanted to come to you. I wanted to come again and again, but Satan stopped me. What's that mean? He's fighting against me. The last thing that Satan does is he plans to destroy you. He does not plan to just let you make spiritual progress. He has no plans to just let you get by. The devil does not plan to let you have a good marriage, to let everything work out, to let everything come together, for healing to happen, for wholeness to come. No, he plans to destroy you. The Bible says your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for anybody, somebody to devour, not somebody to bite a leg off. Not somebody to bite an arm off. Somebody to devour. He doesn't care if you're weak and still coming to church. He doesn't want you to come to church. He doesn't care if you're frustrated and still reading your Bible. He wants to devour your spiritual life. He plans to do that. So how do I do it? How do I fight him? What do I do to fight this spiritual battle? We've got five more minutes. Stick with me. Are you there? Here's what the Bible says. Ephesians 6. Pull out your Bible quickly. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything else right, just stand there. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and put it in its place. And have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to everything you're wearing, Take up the the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil. Put on the helmet of salvation and pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. Say amen to that. Let me break it down really quickly for you. We'll go from head to toe. He said, you got to put your helmet of salvation on. Say salvation. If you haven't come to Jesus Christ with all of your sins and been saved, this spiritual battle will absolutely devour you. You have to guard your mind with salvation. Guarding your mind with salvation means this. I know who I am in Jesus. 
I know what Jesus did for me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve any of this. I remember how bad I was. I remember how low I was. I remember the sin I was in. I remember how addicted I was. I remember how terrible life was. And when Jesus saved me, He put a helmet on my head to protect my mind from all of that stuff. Second thing he said is put on a breastplate of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. You are not righteous in your own works. Matter of fact, your Bible says that your heart is deceitful above all else. When people tell you to follow your heart, please don't take their advice. Your Bible says your heart is wicked and evil. It is deceitful above all else. So when I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'm telling my heart that every decision you make has to go through righteousness before I make it. That's how I'm going to make decisions. It also means that when God looks at me, He doesn't see the evil that's in my heart. All He sees is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been given to me. And I guard my heart with it. Say amen to that. Then the Bible says you pick up the shield of faith. That shield guards you against the fiery darts of the enemy. There are things that are firing in your mind all the time. You're nothing. You're no good. You're pathetic. God doesn't love you. He'll never use you. Your marriage will always be bad. You'll always be broke. You'll always be sick. You'll always be miserable. When you take up the shield of faith, you're literally guarding yourself against the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith says, I believe that I am who God says that I am. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Greater is He who lives inside of me than he who lives in the world. That's the shield of faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit down, i got a lot more. Then you pick up the belt of truth and you put it on. You know why the belt of truth is important? Two reasons. Number one, you don't need to fight without pants on. The second thing is, you got to go into this battle with truth. So when the enemy lies to you about what's really going, all you have to do is say, you know what, that's a lie. You're the father of lies. You've been lying to me all along. I've got the the truth of God says that a miracle's on its way. The truth says that I'm an overcomer. The truth says that I'm going to make it through this. I, I put the belt of truth on. Then the Bible says that on your feet, you fit your feet with the gospel of peace. Of peace. You know why people who are going through hell can come to church with a smile on their face? Because their feet are planted in the peace of God. When you don't have your feet ready, then you don't have peace to stand on. So that when all hell's breaking loose, you realize, man, I don't even know. I'm going crazy right now. I'm losing my mind right now. But some people come to church and all hell's breaking loose and they're just smiling and praising God and keeping their hands. What you can't see while their hands are raised and their smile is their feet is firmly planted in the gospel of peace. That peace is reigning in their life. They're putting peace in their heart. And then the last thing the Bible says is take up the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. Would you take your copy of the Bible? Hand me my iPad. Would you take your copy of the Bible? Would you hold it in your hands? The Bible said the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. 
Listen to me, believer. You and I have to know this Word. We have to be in this Word. We have to internalize this Word. We have to learn this Word. We have to fight with this Word. This is the only weapon that we have. Everything else protects us. This fights for us. Say amen to that. Get in your Bible. Now here's the interesting thing. Everything about, i got two minutes, everything about spiritual warfare protects the front side of you. All of our pastors, hurry, hurry, hurry. Come here, Pastor Tom, come here, hurry, 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 hurry. Come here, Brother Tom, Revisa, come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. Everything that you put on, let's stand out front so they can see us. Everything that you put on, stand behind me, guys, protects the front of you. My helmet, my breastplate, my shield, my sword, my, my feet, or I have the gospel of peace, but my back is still vulnerable. You know why? Because your back was meant to be protected by your church family. It's other believers who come beside you and behind you and guard your back when you do spiritual battle. It's people that get around you and say, hey, if you'll fight out front, we'll cover your back. I got you covered back here. I've got you covered back here. I'll cover your back. I'll watch your back for you while you're doing spiritual battle. While you're fighting for your life, I'll cover you. I I got your back, they'd say. I got you back here. You just do battle out there. That's why you need church. That's why church is so important. That's why belonging in church is so important. That's why you can't just attend. You got to become a member. You got to become a part. You got to get plugged in. Why? Because you need somebody to guard your back. And when you do all of that, finally, the Bible says to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Listen to me. Spirit filled, Spirit empowered, Spirit led living is absolutely essential to the life of a believer. Listen to my words. Hear me very clearly. Do not misunderstand. If you're listening on podcasts, I don't want you to take this out of context and tell somebody I said what I didn't. The Holy Spirit is not essential. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not essential for you to be born into God's kingdom. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential For you to live and exist in God's kingdom. The only thing that can save you is Jesus and the blood that He shed. But the only thing that can keep you is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you got to be filled. That's why you got to be baptized. That's why you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said, when you've done all of that stuff and put it all on, then pray in the Holy Spirit. You need to pray boldly and access the throne of God. You need to come and pray in the Spirit. Pray according to the Spirit. Pray with the power of the Spirit. Pray with the help of the Spirit. Pray in the language of the Spirit. You need to pray in the Spirit when you've done everything else. You need to pray in the Spirit and let the Spirit do the battling for you. When you've done all of that, here's what I want you to know. Above all, you and I, When we fight this spiritual battle, we do not fight for victory. You and I fight from victory. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Let me tell you a different way. We already win. We already win. Jesus has already won. 1 John says, Dear children, 
you're from God. And you have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. My brothers and sisters, we fight from victory. We've already won. Victory belongs to us. Say amen to that. Stand to your feet all over the house. Give God praise for His Word all over the house. Come on, let's give Him praise for His Word. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening. Thank you.